This is the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers, helping you prioritize your health, happiness and well-being so that you can thrive in the classroom and in life. I'm your host, Ellen Ronalds Keane, reminding you that you're a person first and a teacher second and you are allowed to look after you. Hi everyone. This week I'm really pleased to share another teacher story with you and this is one I'm sure you're going to enjoy. It's an interview with Jessica from Lead and Inspire Community. Jessica tells us about her experiences as a pre-service and early career teacher and how she fell into the trap that so many of us fall into, which is just living and breathing the job and kind of letting work take over all of life as well. So, Jessica is actually really insightful about this and it's obvious that she's done a lot of self-reflection and she can see how some of her patterns were contributing to that. So, she shares with us in this episode about how being so driven to achieve and succeed, while on the surface it's a great thing, it ended up really undermining her health and well-being as a person because the teacher became the focus. And I also really love how Jessica shares how she's been able to learn from and work on achieving more work-life balance with the support of her partner, Ben, who is not a teacher. And I think that there is really something in that for all of us. It reminds us to maybe step outside of if we're always talking to teachers, we don't always see it objectively because so many of us are in the same patterns. It becomes normal to us. And sometimes talking to people outside of the profession who have different experiences of the way work and life can work together can actually be really helpful. And it also reminds me of one of the really early episodes back in season one when I interviewed a teacher called Beck who shared how it was her partner Adam, who also isn't a teacher, who helped her identify and cultivate more work-life balance. So, if you like, you can go back and find that episode. I believe it's episode number three of season one, so episode number three of the podcast of all time. And so, it's a while back in the archives now, but I'll pop a link in the show notes and the description of this episode. And Jessica, in this episode, also refers to another previous episode of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast, which was the last episode of season four about the thinking traps that sabotage your health and well-being. And Jessica says she did fall into some of these thinking traps over the years. So, I'll pop a link in the show notes and description for that episode too, so you can go back and refresh your memory. Now, just before we get to this interview, I have a couple of updates that you may have missed. Firstly, if you're not aware, then let me take this opportunity to let you know about the Self-Care for Teachers resource room um, and in particular the freebies library, which you can find at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash library. It's a vault of free resources that you can use to support your health and well-being as a person first and a teacher second because that's the point, right? I've done a bunch of free trainings this year that you can find in the freebies library. The replays are in there, including the Preventing Burnout series and the webinar on Roadblocks to Wellbeing, plus the one on Healthy Habit Hacks, which is uh, super practical. And there's also some worksheets to help you with your healthy habits and self-care planning, plus a worksheet to help you track your work hours. Because as you probably know, if you've been listening, I believe that tracking your work hours is one of the most important habits that you can do to help cultivate more work-life balance for you. So, they're all in the freebies library and there's heaps more as well. Uh, I highly recommend you check it out because it's free and it's a bunch of trainings and resources that you can access on demand when you feel you need it at a time that suits you from the comfort of your home or actually from anywhere because that's the beauty of the internet. 
So that's all over at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash library. I'll put a link in the description in the show notes of this episode as well, and I highly recommend it. Plus, the other bonus about signing up for the freebies library is that you will then also be able to get the Self-Care for Teachers newsletter updates, which I highly recommend because that's how you stay up to date between seasons of the podcast. As we are coming towards the end of this season, then now would be a great time to do that so that you can stay up to date. And if you aren't already getting those updates, then you might have missed the epic blog post that I shared this month about the lessons that I've learned from four years of running Self-Care for Teachers. So, Self-Care for Teachers turned four in July and it has been a bit of a roller coaster, I can tell you, but a lot of stuff has started to click into place for me in the last couple of months and I have now a really renewed vision and focus going forwards and a renewed determination to really... I guess, make a change in your life and help you live a better, happier, healthier life, but also to make a change in our schools and to the culture of our schools that doesn't always support well-being. But even more than that, I actually have a really big vision for Australia and for our education system and how that fits in with the health of our nation, really. So, you can read all about that on the blog. I'll pop a link in the show notes as well, and I hope that you enjoy it. It's a bit of a vulnerable piece from me, but a lot of it needed to be said, so I'm pleased that it's out there now. And finally, I also want to say as we're nearing the end of this season of the podcast that I'm starting the process of booking in guests for season six. And in particular, I'm really looking for teacher stories. So, from those of you who are still in the classroom, who have overcome well-being challenges, made changes in your life and in your habits, and perhaps even changed schools or other major changes, and then how that helps you find more work-life balance and cultivate more health and happiness as a person and as a teacher. So, while I do like to share the work and the stories of people who are now working to support teachers, and I will continue to do that in Season 6, I know that it's important to you to keep hearing the stories of people who are still in the classroom and who are still, you know, working day to day on managing the demands of the job, but also of staying people first and teachers second, but still doing a fantastic job, right? Still being great teachers, but also being healthy, happy people. I know that many of you don't think of yourself as having a story, you know, quote unquote, because it's just your life. You feel like it's normal. It's not that special. But I want you to know that your story does matter and that sharing it does help others. So, I know that there are people listening to this podcast who are feeling wobbly in their well-being right now and who are struggling at the moment. And I know because you tell me, right? So, if that's you, I just want to give you a big hug. I want you to give yourself a big hug and cut yourself some slack, right? Look after you as best you can and reach out for seeking support where you need it. But if you're feeling like you have overcome well-being challenges and you've stayed in the classroom and you've kind of worked some stuff out and things are in a bit more of an even keel, then I want you to know that hearing the stories of people like you is really important and it's very inspiring to people who are, are struggling at the moment because not only is it motivating and inspiring, it can actually give people an idea of something that they could implement in their own life that could make a difference for them because there is no one size fits all and there's a lot of advice out there, especially from people who are no longer in the classroom or who never were in the classroom, which is always something I suggest taking with a grain of salt. But not everything will work for all of us and what works for the person next to you in, in the staff room may not work for you. And so, that's why it's so great to hear what's working for a range of different people in a range of different stages of life, range of different teaching contexts, because it allows you to go, huh, 
I had never thought of that, but that person said it works for them. I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to experiment with that and see what happens and see if it does help me. And do you know what? I know that there are success stories like that that have come out of this podcast. And if you have one of those, if you heard a tip on this podcast and you implemented it and you, it, you know, it helped improve your health and well-being and your life, I want to hear about it. Please come and share your story. But I also know that you might be worried about your privacy and your confidentiality. And if that's the case, then I get it. And I want you to know that you can actually share your story on this podcast anonymously. So, there have been a number of guests over the five seasons who haven't used their real name. I'm not going to tell you who they are because that would defeat the purpose. But we have omitted some personal details in the conversation and also in the editing process in order to keep private information private, right? So, if that's you, but you still feel like you have a story to share or an aspect of your story to share, then please still, you know, let me know. I'm fully on board with you doing that anonymously. I really want you to feel safe and supported in sharing your story in a way that, you know, keeps the private and confidential information private. So, all that is to say, if you do want to share your teacher wellbeing story in season six of the podcast, I would love to hear from you. Send me an email, hello at selfcareforteachers.com.au and we can chat about it. Okay, that's enough from me. Let's hear from Jessica from Lead and Inspire Community. Enjoy the podcast. I have been teaching for over 10 years now and I graduated back in 2008 and I actually finished my degree in three and a half years because I was very keen to finish my ATP and get straight into it. Very keen. Yeah, very keen. A lot of summer school and some winter school thrown into the mix as well. And I also thought it would be a really good idea to really challenge myself on ATP and move out of home and actually travel sort of three and a half hours away from home. Well, actually, it might have been closer to four and teach in um, Geraldton, which is quite a big country city but I was away from home and while I was away on ATP, I was applying for jobs. So, I was really, really keen and eager to get into it and I think that sets the scene a little bit about my personality type because I was not necessarily always thinking about the now and what I needed to do now. It was always about the future and what can I do next and how can I prove myself in this and how can I add to my CV. So, I was lucky enough that I found out in about week seven of my last crack that I had a position out in the country in a small country school uh, where there was only three teachers at that stage and the principal did the dot relief most of the time. And I started in a year two, three class and once again moved out of home. By this stage, I was sort of used to it because I'd been away for ATP, but this was like the real deal. And I was like, this is, you know, all my dreams have come true. I'm finally a real teacher. I'm in the classroom by myself. And um, I threw myself in. So my year two, three class was the sort of wake up call that like, hang on a second, I'm not at uni anymore. I'm actually, I'm in the driver's seat and I've got to, I've got to take this as it comes. But at the same time, I want to be the best prepared for myself. So I think what happened as a result is that I just like allocated every minute of the day to teaching. So I was lucky enough that I was living by myself so I could go home and prepare and, you know, and even being in a country school, you could just go back whenever you wanted to. There was no alarms. You could just open the door, turn the lights on and, and get everything you needed to get done. So I threw myself into it and then found that about week eight, which we normally do, don't we? That week eight slump all of a sudden I'm like, oh, hang on a second, what do you mean I can't keep going? And I started to lose my voice. Oh. And <laughs> it's so common, isn't it? It really is. 
but still determined to prove that I was a really good teacher. I kept going into work and yeah, sort of, you know, like we do anyway, it's week eight, a couple of more weeks and we'll be on holidays. Yep. Push through. Yep. And be sick for those two weeks, but that's okay because you, you, you're well enough to get back into it. So term four came around and then of course we go through the cycle of term four and came out the other end and I thought, look, you know, this is great. I've, I've got my six months under my belt. I was lucky enough to get the same job the following year, but in the year five, six, seven classroom. So in the senior senior room and I basically moved back home for that six week school holidays to sort of recharge and get prepared and so I was working through the school holidays in anticipation for having my year five six sevens and making sure that I was catering for them all and then I think that's when I truly entered the roller coaster of teaching because for the next three years it was completely that was all I was doing it was like living and breathing but at the same time surviving so and that cycle of just push through end of term, I feel, you know, unwell or whatever, but I'm just going to hang in until holidays and collapse for a couple of weeks, call myself back to kind of able to function again. And so I'll show up and do it all again. And it's just the cycle every term. That's it. And not being aware that it's the cycle as well. And you get so used to it. It was like I was on autopilot and it didn't matter. And it just became my new reality. This was the norm. This is what it was like to be a teacher. And I loved my job and I loved working with my students. And I was so lucky to be working in a school with a supportive principal and staff that, you know, I was given so many different opportunities. And at the same time, like I was speaking about in the beginning, I was just always doing things to build my CV. I wanted to be the level three teacher. I wanted to build my CV so that I could eventually be a deputy. And, you know, thinking about all these things and it's only been teaching for like a couple of years. So what I fell into was that feeling of it's okay because once I finish, and I know you spoke about this actually in your last podcast of 2018, it's once I finish this, then this will happen. And so once I get another term under my belt, then this will be okay. Well, once I get reports done, then this will be okay. Yeah, and then at the same time in my personal life, I was lucky enough to have met my husband. Well, he wasn't my husband obviously then, but um, meet him. And we had this, you know, relationship where I would be able to do my job during the week and then I would come home on a, or come back to his on a Friday night and I would see him and then be able to spend the weekend together and then I'd go trekking back to the country um, once again for the week and then as I put more pressure on myself I suppose as as I became more experienced I also wanted to achieve more so then I would put more ex- like expectation on myself so my stress levels would rise but then also because I wasn't feeling myself and recharging myself it was also to the point where my body was like well we can't keep doing this so then I started traveling back during the week one night a week or you know would have to escape and you know, even things like he said one day, I remember he had posted up a couple of blocks of chocolate to the country. <laughs> like It took like three days for it to reach me. But, you know, that sort of just signifies what sort of he knew what was going on behind the scenes. Yet if you came into school, I was that very well put together. Yes, probably would cry quite a lot was known for crying quite a lot, but obviously not in front of parents or anything like that. But the staff were certainly aware that if I was having a day, they would need to have a tissue box handy. But other than that, I was this well put together teacher, extremely driven and achieving like, you know, like no tomorrow, basically. So we got married in term, well, just the term three holidays of 2011. And we still lived apart for term four. And I at that stage was trying to get a job back in Perth 
And, you know, it was like, okay, it's time. I've, been, I've done my country stint for three and a half years. And once again, like I was saying, I was going, well, once I get back to Perth, then I will know what it's like to be a teacher. I'll be able to roll it out. I'll start fresh. I will put all my strategies in place. I will look after myself. I will make this all happen and it will all, you know, I'm married now. It'll all come, you know, come good. Yeah, it's the happily ever after, right? When this happens, life will be perfect. Yeah, that's right. And unfortunately, whatever happened with the system, I didn't get my permanency and then I wasn't able to transfer. And oh, that's frustrating. Yeah, well, I think that's one of those things you have to learn. Sometimes we have things that we can control and then there's certain things that we can't control. And all you can do is make sure you're best prepared for it. So, yeah, I remember sitting in the car and actually talking to my principal and I was crying because, like I said, that was no one for that. And I was just, I need to move back. I'm going to stop teaching. Like, this is, this is my part of my life now, you know. I will get it. I'll do relief. I will do whatever I need to do to get back in the classroom. And my CV, it was, I had worked really hard on making it look, you know, and I, I practiced what I preached. It wasn't what about just doing it. And anyway, I, she pulled some strings somehow and I ended up getting this wonderful job back in Perth. It was a, an hour travel with the traffic, but it meant that I could win with my husband. <laughs> um, and and have some sort of life on the outside rather than teaching. So I was lucky enough to move back in. And then in those school holidays in the lead up to preparation for starting the new school, I think I I did allow myself to rest because I didn't know what the new school was like. I didn't know the expectations. So I couldn't really prepare myself. So I thought, well, let's do a little bit of recovery so I can go into it with the energy of it because in the year before, trying to get my permanency, trying to get a job in the city. Trying to hold up a relationship while you're commuting. And organising a wedding. I also... Oh, God, exactly. (laughs) I I also applied for my Level 3 application in that same year and I took my Year 5, 6, 7 class to Canberra. Wow. From Perth, well, from Western Australia. Yeah, wow. Yes. So it was, yeah, it was just a whirlwind of a year, but it just showed at how much I was just putting on myself and just pushing forward and just making it happen. And it was all happening. So I needed to recover before I started this new position. And then I had a lot of, you know, reflective times thinking about, well, what type of teaching professional do I want to be? You know, how do I want to balance my new married life with teaching? And, um, and I think for the first two weeks of school, I did a really good job of that. And then, <laughs> um, <laughs> and then it got to about week three and the, you know, the pressure's on. And, and this is when I probably had my, my most significant aha moment was when um, over, I don't actually know if you, we get the Labor Day public holiday on the first weekend in March. Oh, no, ours is in May in Queensland. I don't know, it's different everywhere, I think. It's different everywhere. But this, yeah, this particular long weekend is always really helpful at the start of the year. Good timing. Yeah, week four. And so you can, you know, you sort of, you gear yourself up to mark all those assessments and finish off your planning and preps whatever you can. You know, you've got these lovely three days. And I was sitting, as we do, sitting in the dining room table with all piles around me got up nice and early on the Saturday morning and my my husband came out and he said what are you doing and I said oh you know I've got three days this is brilliant I can get so much done and then I'll be able to have the rest of the year off you know how we always just think we're going to have that magical weekend which will make everything so much better and he just looked at me going well but the weather's nice outside and I was like yeah but 
I just need this time. And then I, so he just let me be. And then I had to think about it. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to try something new and I'm not going to do anything this weekend. I'm just going to have fun with my husband. And um, imagine that. (laughs) Yeah. And I thought, you know, let's give it a go. And going to work on that Tuesday morning, at at that point in time, I was thinking Tuesday morning, I'll just, you know, I'll just hit the ground running and I'll just get, you know, I'll just catch up. And I think I was more productive that short week than I had ever been because I had had that time to fill my cup. And I think that was the beginning of me recognizing that, hang on a second, if I actually do put time into myself, I'm actually going to be the better professional that I want to be. And then from then on, I started documenting my strategies, thinking about my organizational skills, what I was doing with my time. And yes, started building the picture of what I wanted to be as a teacher. So yeah, fast forward to today, I got a permanent position at a school that was closer to my house. So I didn't have to do that commute any longer. So I'm luckily, I'm lucky enough that I actually only live five minutes away from the school and that's almost like walking distance, like five minutes it takes me to walk there. And I also got my level three in 2013 and that was one of those things where I was like, that's my milestone. Um, Once I become a level three teacher, then I am good enough. That's how I felt at that time. I now know better. And the morning of my presentation to be successful, my level three application for the stage two, I was very ill that morning and I thought it was because of my nerves. And um, in actual fact, I found out that afternoon I was pregnant. So that's when things started to turn that I was like, well, I'm no longer like I'm obviously still really driven on my career, but I am going to be a mum. And I thought that's okay. What I'll do is I'll just take my maternity leave and then I'll come back to work part time. And I was lucky that I was in a school that was very supportive of that because I'm really aware that there's not many schools that are very supportive of that. And I'll just work part-time and I'll still do what I need to do and build my CV. And then once we get the kids over and done with, then when you know they're finished, we'll, I will go back to work full-time and I will hit the ground running. But that's when my plan got a little bit disrupted because then you realise that actually, no, there's these little humans that need you just as much as your job needs you. <laughs> And um, yeah, so I realized that I um, had to make a decision and I suppose it's not everyone's decision. They, you know, you can quite easily or quite happily teach and be mum. I have a four and a half year old and a two year old. So my two year old's not at school just yet. And I just found it for me because I went back to work three days a week last year and I was dropping my little one off to kindy and then, you know, missed out on those morning activities. I would then um, like go quickly run back to my classroom and do what I needed to do for the day. And then I would run after school and go and pick her up and then I would be off. And then, um, yeah, you know, you're missing out on being at home with your, your youngest one as well. And I said, you know, something's got to like, where, where are my priorities at? So although I do love teaching, I decided to be at home with my kids and to feed my, you know, sort of drive in my career. I launched my teacher wellbeing company back in 2017 and I decided that what I have learnt over the course of my career in regards to work-life balance and recognising that if we do take the time to recharge, it actually makes us better people personally and professionally. And we're actually allowed, like able to take on more. So 
that is what I'm spending the year advocating this year and it has been total bliss. So that's where I am today. Well, we'll get to your uh, the work that you do now with teachers in a moment, but I really appreciate you sharing how some of those thought processes, obviously now you've got the, I guess, the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of a few years experience. You know, I think sometimes some of these are just rites of passage almost. I don't think necessarily that they're things we have to learn the hard way necessarily. And I certainly hope that by, you know, sharing stories on this podcast, other young teachers can um, hopefully avoid some of the mistakes. But I do think some of it is rites of passage where you kind of, you can be told, but but it's sometimes only with experience of really living through that cycle of, of the boom and bust with the, the push through the term and then collapse in the holidays, but for more than a year. And I think also for life, I think sometimes if you can be aware of it, you can catch yourself thinking about that, oh, when X happens, you know, life will be great. But you still believe it until you get there and you realize there's another when in now in the future and the goalposts just keep shifting in it. And I, only a, across a few years and a, and a bit of experience, you know, going through this the cycle of a school year, you know, the school calendar, and you start to realize, oh, this doesn't stop. There's no point where things are great. And so I really appreciate you sharing that that, that was definitely a thought process that was playing into it for you and, and playing into the, the yes, there's, it's great to be driven and ambitious. And of course, we want people to be walking their talk and being amazing teachers. And I don't think that is ever in jeopardy. I really have, met, have yet to meet people who actually just thinks, yeah, I'm just going to rock up and do a shit job. But it doesn't exist, right? It, and so many of us, because we're afraid of that stereotype, we push to the point where the body gives up or life happens, you know, like major personal milestones, like getting married and starting a family and suddenly that old way can't work anymore. I really appreciate you sharing that. Oh, thank you. I'd be interested to know too, during those times, obviously, when you started to go, right, something's, something's got to give here. Obviously, you started setting some boundaries around school. And no, I'm not going to do any work this weekend. I'm going to actually see my husband. You know, that guy I decided to spend my life with, I might spend some of my life with. Yeah, yeah. God, <laughs> it's ridiculous, isn't it? The idea of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I'd, I'd be really curious to know what else you put into place to help create, you know, what practices and even just personal decisions you made to help create a little bit more work-life balance in those years when obviously you were still driven, you're still achieving, but things that balance started to get shift back into the favor of you having a life outside of school, being a person first and a teacher second. Yes, yes. So one of the key things that I put in place was the decision that I would not do work at home. So work would stay at work. Yes, I could think about it at home. Like I didn't want to cut it off altogether, but work would stay at work. And the only time I would bring anything home would be, you know, the things that, because sometimes we do like laminating in front of the TV. So like, <laughs> you know, like it's like a hobby, the things that you see as a hobby and an interest and that if it's, it's filling you creatively it's like an expression I would bring home. And also the other thing was I did like doing school reports at home purely because of my space and I my thought process and you're less likely to get interrupted. Yeah, so I decided that work would stay at work and I would be me at home. And I didn't get to that straight away. I had to actually, I spoke to Ben about it. So Ben's my husband. I spoke to him about it. And I said to him, look, you know, how are we going to make this work? Because I think, and just giving a big shout out to partners of teachers. Yeah, partners of teachers 
who are not also teachers because it seems to be that often teachers marry teachers, which is great because they understand each other, but also sometimes they're perpetuating at home as well. Yes, yes. Yeah, so it takes a certain person to be with a teacher and yeah, if it's a teacher and a teacher, then they totally get each other. But when they're outside and they're a completely different industry, it does take a certain personality type to actually understand. So so he was instrumental really in helping me and supporting me and recognising that, you know, we can find the balance. And so the conversations that I would have with him were about what boundaries we'd put in place. So, yeah, so work was my first one. Work was that work. And uh, the things that would I bring home would be, you know, the reports or whether I was really interested in making something and doing something. And also no work whatsoever, no thinking about it, no even investigating or researching on a Sunday. So Sunday was my day off, completely switched off. And that just allowed me to really hit the ground running on a Monday morning. Maybe that was because it was learnt behavior as well that you wanted to just hold on to the weekend before you start into the working week. But I used it as a positive strategy rather than, oh, no, tomorrow is Monday. So Monday is now my favorite day of the week. And then my other other sort of boundary that I put in place was um, like the search, like it's technology. I have to say it's technology because technology, when we have access to things, we can't help ourselves. We are looking at what, and especially these days with Instagram, and I love Instagram and seeing all the inspiration, but you can fall into that comparison trap so quickly. So although, you know, five years ago it wasn't as predominant, you could still search and Pinterest was still, you know, you you got all these ideas. So just switching off from technology a lot more because it didn't matter what I went on there for, I would always end up researching something to do with the classroom or students or what to do next and so on. And that just sends your brain into a spiral. So, yeah, I would have to say that leaving work at work and um, switching off from technology a lot more. I really like that because both of those are, you know, they didn't, I guess the switching off from work is something that requires a bit of more ongoing effort. You know, you've got to be a bit organized to do that. But I really like that they don't really require, it's just the decision that you made and, and about what you say. It doesn't actually require any extra time or extra effort to put that in place. But I also really like that you figured out, you, one, you talked to Ben, your husband, and, you know, it wasn't just something that you decided on your own. You actually sort of co-created what was going to work for you two in your situation. But also that you, I love, what I love about that is that you said, no work at home except these things that work for me. So you weren't just making a blanket rule. You figured out what worked for you and then kept those things. Because I totally was a person who was like, yeah, report cards. There's a couple of things that actually doing them at school for me was, hard because of the distractions and and having your own space at home can be beneficial if that works for you but it's when it takes over that's the issue so I love and I love of course the laminating on the floor and laundry while you're watching something on Netflix I mean that's fun it is it's really enjoyable so don't take that away from me like yeah so no yeah you're right you're completely right it's it's working out what works best for you and also reaching out to someone and speaking to them about, you know, well, what does work and what is working for both of us and, um, yeah, creating those strategies and putting them in place. Yeah, I really, really like that. And thank you for sharing that. So let's talk about how you help people now. So I know that uh, you, as you said, you've started your teacher wellbeing um, business and you do some workshops and you do some coaching. So tell us about that. Yeah, so so like I said, I launched this back in 2017 and I did it then because I had the I actually took that whole year off on maternity leave 
So um, my son Rob was born in December of 2016 and I made the decision and for my career as well to take that year off and be at home because Ava, who was going into kindy the following year, was, you know, it was that last year that I could be at home with her full time and just really make the most of it. And also it was my thought process behind it was to honestly go, yep, and then I'll do the mum thing and then I'll be back teaching. So obviously always doing the mum thing, but just just having that, oh, yep, I've really put, you know, a whole 365 days worth of effort in. So, <laughs> but I just, because it's, and, and all teachers, we're all the same, aren't we? And I shouldn't really presume it, but we live and breathe it. We really do. So I really needed to have some sort of outlet. So I started creating content that I wanted to share. I put together workshops, online programs. I, you know, started questioning teachers as well. I would write down my own experiences and then discuss that with colleagues like so I could have those conversations that I was missing out on because I was at home and I would just go, you know, did you, and, you know, as soon as you start sharing your story, they just go, oh, yes, I did that or I went through that and, and then the more I started speaking to colleagues, I was realizing that, look, we're going through similar things. And then when I turned around and asked, well, you know, what's your biggest problems at the moment? What's, what's causing you the most stress? What's causing you the most anxiety? What do you know, what do you love about your job or what do you find most challenging in regards to that? And what would you change? And the same things came back. It was all about being organized. Yeah. You know, they never felt like they felt organized or they would like to be more organized. Um, there's never enough time. They would like more time. They felt drained. They didn't have enough energy and so on. And like back in 2012, when I had that long weekend aha moment, I was like, hang on a second, I'm going to work at this and I'm going to find it all out. So I actually went back through all my journals of where I had documented all my things and that, yeah, it was really fun. And I'm so grateful that I had 2017 to actually go back and dive into my career as such and really work out what was, uh, what was you know, basically everything I'd learned and I put it all together. And so at the end of 2017, when I launched, I had booked my first workshop in January and I had 10 lovely ladies uh, attend. And not all my workshops are tailored to just um, women, but that's who is, I suppose, resonating with my message and what I am sharing. And from then on, I had a whole year's worth of programs and I had, uh, in the end, I ended up doing four workshops, three online programs, and then I have coaching series and programs that I do with teachers. And the content that I share, it's got, it's basically all to do with how we can feel like we have more time, how we can feel like we have more energy or what we can do to re-energize ourselves, what we can do to calm our systems down, what we can do to um, support ourselves through the term so we're not going through that sort of, I just think it's like the hamster wheel and we're just running, running, running or when we switch on to autopilot. But most of all, the biggest vision of it all was creating this supportive community of teachers where we all come together, we empower each other, we inspire each other, we share our stories and we embrace the fact that we are all going through this, you know, this together because of the love of the job. And yeah, so from the 10 participants that joined the community, we've now grown and um, we yeah, share and I continue to run the workshops and online programs. And I was doing this all last year when I was working three days a week as well in a year six classroom because, and I had to practice what I was preaching really as well and then walking the talk and 
as a result, I really realised that, hang on a second, what we are creating in the Lead and Inspire community is of value and can be beneficial. And yeah, and I thought, you know, this is something that needs to, you know, you sort of get on your box and you go, I'm going to bring this to schools because, you know, all teachers need to be supported. And you know what it's like when you have your school development days or your staff meetings and you've got your agenda items and everything that's on the list has to do with what we could be doing better or what's coming in next or, and yeah, if we're, and I know they do sometimes those lovely little team building activities at the beginning and then they get stuck into it. But if we just spend a little bit more time about, okay, checking in where we are currently at, what's working, what's not working. And I know we do that in our general reflective practice, but it's mostly directed at it's classroom based, right? Yeah. It's about the classroom and the, because that's totally been what I've seen as well is, is often teachers are really great at doing that reflective practice, but it's, always about work it's not necessarily about you know working on the work as opposed to working in the work so and and that person first how's it working for you as a person separate whether or not it's working in the classroom because that's actually totally a different criteria and it's okay to meet that criteria as well Yes, yes, totally. And if we were given the opportunity or just the, the space to think about that while we were at work, working on ourselves at work, I think, yeah, the, the difference it would make, yeah, it would be life-changing as well, but it would just make such a difference to the meeting, to the energy in the room, to the responses. And to the culture. Yeah, definitely. That's what I was looking for. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. They're just the whole culture. So, So then I have been working in some schools over here in Perth and basically the vision is just to keep growing the community and just reaching out and letting, it's just giving that message of if you give back to yourself, you will be able to give more to others. And then we just sort of, yeah, all give each other the inspiration. And unfortunately, I do say unfortunately because it is quite sad, we need to give ourselves the permission, don't we? We do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So the community is all about giving permission and saying, look, it is okay because in actual fact, you will be serving everyone else so much better and it's so much easier on yourself. So That's right. Well, you know I'm right on board with that. (laughs) I know, I know. Yeah, that's why I was so happy to be speaking with you today because it's nice to be able to speak to people that understand and believe it and see the mission and have the similar mission. So, yes, thank you. And I think it's becoming more, you know, something that's discussed more, but it's still, I believe, we're still in the early days of this idea of teachers being well you know, and of teacher well-being mattering as much as teacher quality, you know, and classroom effectiveness. I think we're still in the early days of that. So, you know, I think it's really important that we continue to talk about it. So where can people find you? How do they, how do they connect with you? Well, definitely go and visit the website. So it's leadandinspire.com.au and that will give you a big overview of all the workshops and online programs that I'm running. But most of all, you'll be able to find me on Instagram at lead and inspire community and with the same handle on Facebook as well. In Facebook, we have obviously the business page there that you can follow the same sort of content, but we have a private Facebook group where that's where most of the community members are more, you know, they communicate more within the group as well. So, but you don't have to be in WA and you don't have to be in Perth. It's everywhere because I've got people even um, international as well. So, 
It's all about those that want to place the priority on themselves and um, yeah, give back to themselves so they're able to give more to others. Well, that's brilliant. And I will put all those links in the show notes as well. And let's wrap this up, Jessica. Can you just share uh, your top tips for early career teachers? You know, maybe just three top tips for early career teachers to really set themselves up for a thriving career and life. Oh, yes. Thank you. Okay. So, my three tips that I would like to share today. um, The first one would be to create a self-care menu or a list of supportive habits that you can put in place now rather than waiting for when something finishes or when something ends. So, I just like to say just write a few things that recharge you and write down a few things that calm you and almost have it like a beautiful menu. We all love selecting from a menu at a restaurant. And when you feel the need to be recharged, have a look at your list and select what you feel like. And when you feel like you really need to be calmed and just, you know, just maybe de-stress a little bit, select from that side of the menu and have it somewhere that it can be seen, not somewhere that you think, yep, yeah, that's a great idea and it's hidden away in a journal somewhere. Have it where it's seen. And laminate it. Yeah, definitely in front of the TV. <laughs> I call it first aid, self-care first aid, but yeah, I love the menu idea and of like picking off the menu. I like that. Yeah, select what you feel like doing and even go as far as maybe prioritizing and scheduling in a few during the week to support you. So that's definitely my first tip is have that supportive habits put in place. My second one is to, um, and I like, it doesn't come across right, but you know, just bear with me, is don't overachieve. So it's that whole don't spread yourself thin. Don't overachieve, stay where you're at. So like I shared in my story at the beginning is like that whole of like, and this is what I'm going to do next. And then this is what I've got planned out next. And then I'm going to do this. Be here and now. Yeah, present now. Don't overachieve. Of course, do your best and achieve what you want to achieve, but don't push through. Just really stick and keep, you know, keep to the present moment and focusing on the now. And then my third tip would be finding your teaching story and then sticking to it. So this also goes along the same lines as not spreading yourself too thin. And the way that I sort of explain it is that quite often we get really super eager, especially at the start of the year and especially at the start of our careers, where we want to be seeing that we are we're able and we are capable of doing everything and we put our hands up to go in every committee and we want to be on this committee and we want to lead this and, yes, I'll help out with this. And quite often we put ourselves in all these different positions and yet when it comes to actually um, being a, a member that contributes in those different committees, we are th- spreading ourselves thin as a result because there's too many hats we have to put on. So less hats, the better. And the way that we find the less hats is less amount of hats is to find your teaching story and stick to it. So if you're really passionate about literacy or you're really passionate about STEAM or numeracy or science or physical education, whichever it is, stick to that first and become the expert in it. Make it part of your story. Be that high achieving, but not overachieving, high achieving teacher in those areas, in those areas that you are passionate about that light you up. And then that's not going to drain your energy as much as being in every committee just because you want it to be seen as you are capable because we know you are capable, you know you are capable. You just need to be focusing on your own teacher's story and be proud of that. And then I do say, of course, when you get to that, you know, that level of mastery where you feel like you have experienced 
the highest um, achievement in that, you know, in those areas, then by all means for professional development wise, go and try something different and investigate in a different area. But don't do that all in one go. Stick with what you what excites you. That's such good advice. And and because we you know, you're right. We we can only wear I mean actually we only have one head so we can only really wear one hat at a time. But you know, I always when I talk to people about changing their um, habits, like their personal health habits, I always say like don't try and overhaul your sleep and your diet and your exercise and your meditation all at once. Like just pick one and when it's working really well, when it is a habit that, that you you know, as you said, you've got mastery over, you don't have to really work really hard to make sure that that happens every week. Then you can add a new one in. So I love I, I love applying that to the professional as well. You know, if you want to you want to be the literacy person, just be on the literacy committee. You don't also have to be sports day coordinator and on the musical committee and everything as well. Just do the one thing that really lights you up, and then get good at that rather than too many things and and maybe not doing any of them really that well. Yes, that's right. And then burning yourself out on the inside. So yeah, it's definitely find your teaching story and stick to it. Mm, I love that. Well, this has been wonderful, Jessica. Thank you so much. And I will definitely put all those links in the show notes so that um, people can click away and connect with you. And um, I highly recommend following you on Instagram because I do enjoy your posts. And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom today on the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast. Oh, thank you so much, Ellen, for having me. And so likewise, back to you. Thank you for everything that you are doing and the space you are creating because it is truly inspirational. Thank you very much. No, thank you. Hi, it's me again. Just a quick couple of reminders of things that I mentioned at the beginning of this episode. So firstly, you can sign up for the freebies library at selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash library. That's selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash library. You can also check out the blog post that I wrote about my lessons from four years of running self-care for teachers and the vision that I have going forward and how I'd love your help with it. And thirdly, you can reach out if you have a teacher wellbeing story to share on season six of the podcast. Email me hello at selfcareforteachers.com.au and all of those links will be in the show notes on the website and also the description of this episode in your podcatcher. And finally, remember that you are a person first and a teacher second and you are worthy of your own care. See you later. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast brought to you by Self-Care for Teachers. If you've enjoyed it, go ahead and subscribe in your chosen podcast player so you don't miss an episode. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify, hit the three dots, share it to your Facebook or Instagram stories and let your friends know that you're listening. And if something in this episode made you think about a teacher that you care about and you think they need to hear it, send it to them now. Let's spread the message of teacher wellbeing and together we can create thriving school communities. Show notes for the podcast can be found at www.selfcareforteachers.com.au forward slash podcast. And you can find me on Facebook and Instagram using the handle at selfcareforteachers. Season five of the Teacher Wellbeing Podcast is proudly supported by Katrina Burke Coaching, Teachers Thriving, Zoe from My Smart Community, Jessica from Lead and Inspire, and Katie from See Me, Know Me, Teach Me. As always, remember you're a person first and a teacher second and you are worthy of your own care.